0: The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company, because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febctoday.org.
1: A lot of preachers take simple concepts and end up making them sound complicated. My job is to take what can be complicated truths and and break them down so that they are simple and easy for people to apply to their lives.
0: Pastor Paul Shepherd is our guest on this week's edition of First Person. Welcome to our program. I'm Wayne Shepard. No relation to Paul. We even spell it differently, but we are brothers in Christ. You'll meet Paul in just a moment. These conversations are meant to encourage you in your daily faith as they tell the stories of people who are giving their lives to the Lord and learning to follow Him in a unique calling. If you are not a regular listener, you may want to go back through our online and podcast archive to review previous interviews from people from all walks of life. You'll find our podcast at iTunes and with various podcast apps. And our website also contains an archive of past programs. That's found at firstpersoninterview.com. We can be found on Facebook at Facebook.com slash interview, where you can leave comments and guest suggestions. Paul Shepard is Senior Pastor of Destiny Christian Fellowship in the San Francisco Bay Area. We recently spent some time in the studio together working on a project, and it gave us a chance to talk about him and the ministry place where God has put him to serve.
1: Well, I'm in California. I've been there since 1989. I'm born and raised in Philadelphia, PA. Spent my first 31 years there. That's where I came to know Christ. That's where I was discipled under my dad's ministry. My dad was my pastor Hmm. until I moved away. And so I got my call to preach in those years. And my first ministry assignment was being my dad's associate pastor. Wow! So all of that happened in my first 31 years of life. Since then, I've been in California. There I've pastored two churches. The first church I went to there— it was a 20 year pastorate, and now I'm currently serving Destiny Christian Fellowship in Fremont, California,
0: which is the San Francisco Bay Area. Yes, it is. What's yes. the best part of living there?
1: Well, I love now that I'm used to California living, which took some some getting used to. <laughs> Philly
0: boy that you were, huh? <laughs>
1: absolutely. But now that I'm used to it, I love it because it's frankly it's a mission field. You don't have to get on a plane to do missions work mm-hmm. anymore. Uh, California is quite the mission field. Over 80 percent of people do not go to church on any sort of regular basis. Maybe they'll occasionally go to some special service or a wedding or a funeral in a church. Other than that, most of the people just don't go. And so it's a wonderful opportunity to reach people who have never been reached with the gospel.
0: We'll talk more about preaching in church in a few minutes, but I want to take you back to Philly. It sounds like that you have never known anything but church in your life, then
1: that's true. Born and raised uh in the church, well, pew baby, going to uh Sunday school and uh and all of that. So I've never known life without church. I was raised well, I'm a baby boomer. So we were, I think, the last generation of Americans who went to church as a matter of habit. Mm -hmm. Thereafter, people uh, did not have that norm in their lives, but we went to church. In fact, in my neighborhood growing up, I would see as I was going to Sunday school, I would see cars pull up and little kids would jump out and they would join us. And their parents were people who didn't come to church, but they thought it important that their children had a Sunday school sure, upbringing. Sure. And so it's a, it's a different world we live in now.
0: Do you see some of your dad and yourself now?
1: Absolutely. My dad was quite the people person in the pulpit. He made sure to relate his his preaching to everyday life. And he connected with people in a personal way. That's what I think I you know, some things are caught, not taught. And uh, while I've been taught uh, how to be a pastor, I've been taught things in in my training. The fact is, I think the most valuable parts of ministry in my life, I caught from my dad. He loved sharing the gospel, the good news, ministering to the needs of people. And he did it in a personal way. And I, I try to bring that to bear in my ministry. Yeah,
0: was your dad a disciplinarian?
1: No, he was not wasn't frankly really? he wasn't home enough to do that he he <laughs> had felt a mom uh my mom took care of that at home, so <laughs> we we uh we definitely had um uh the right and wrongs presented to us over and over again, but that's because I had a diligent mom she She was proudly a stay at home mom she felt like her calling while her husband ran around preaching and serving. Her calling was first and foremost to her kids, and she took that seriously.
0: I love visiting Philadelphia, but it can have some pretty tough parts in the city. What was it like for you growing up?
1: Absolutely. Philly, like so many, uh, urban, uh, places, is a place where you'll find different neighborhoods. And, and as I grew up, of course, there wasn't the melting pot that you'll see now. You see a lot of gentrification, uh, in parts of the city now that were not there as I grew up. There were parts of the city I, I, as an African American young man did not go into at least alone and without some business that you knew when, when and how you're going to get in there and when and how you're going to get out. Uh, we were quite segregated, but, uh, the fact of the matter is I loved my upbringing and it was safe. It was, uh, we, we had community policing so as uh, so to speak yeah. people really did take seriously not only looking out for their kids but for the children on in their neighborhood it
0: really was a different time wasn't it yes it was
1: those were days when your neighbor would call out of the window, see you acting up, and she would act like she was your mother. And I'm thinking, what is she doing talking to me like
0: that? And not be afraid of a lawsuit. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, at some point, though, this uh, faith had to become your own. So tell me your testimony.
1: Yeah, that's true. I grew up hearing a great preaching, not only from my dad, but the people he would bring in. And so I've heard the word all of my life, but I remember as a preteen when the message really began to sink in for me personally, and by age 12, I could say I was— Uh, beginning to know Jesus for myself. I heard about him in the years prior, but I was beginning to get to know him for myself. In fact, by the time I was in my teens, I was comfortable enough to share my testimony with other young people and became someone who Uh, ended up with a ministry to encourage other young people. Now, I didn't want to be in ministry,
0: so that was quite— I wanted to ask you about that, with your your dad so strongly in the pulpit.
1: That's right. I did not want to be in ministry, but when I saw that that was clearly part of my calling— because the Lord was using me to help other young people get their lives together, I said to the Lord, okay, I guess I have to do some ministry, but for God's sake, please don't make me a pastor. So that's what I was hoping to do to avoid the pastor. Yes, sir. And lo and behold, not only did I continue ministering to young people, but eventually I found myself gravitating toward the pastoral call that was already in my heart. And by my mid-20s, that's when uh, our church called me to be my dad's first full-time associate pastor. I was 24 years old. 1982 is when I started that pastorate as an associate pastor, and that's the same year I got married. So I no, often say— I was going to ask, her, when
0: did Meredith come into the picture?
1: That's why I often say 1982 was a year where I was baptized in fire because all <laughs> kinds of— I got to learn how to be a pastor and a husband in the same year.
0: And all right, boy, if Meredith were sitting here, what would she tell me about that time?
1: She would say the learning curve was steep and uh, <laughs> that, uh, that I did try to get better as I went, but she knows that— that was not an easy uh, road for me to travel. Hmm.
0: Sounds like uh, coming to faith and maintaining that faith was okay for you. You you didn't wander away at all?
1: Not in those years. I, I really didn't. I, I took it seriously, um, and I wanted—now, of course, made my mistakes, my youthful mistakes and all of that. I don't want any, anyone to get the impression that, uh, that that wasn't the case. In fact, I think a lot of us who who came to the Lord early in life— We didn't have the privilege kind of, if you want to use that term, of having a period where you backslid Mm -hmm. and then got strong in your faith. I never really had a period of backsliding, but I made my mistakes all along the way. And I think that's just as well, because one of the things we learn about walking with the Lord is it is a journey and you're going to come to all kinds of challenges along the way. And the one constant is Jesus is present in your life. The Holy Spirit is there to convict you, to lead you and guide you. I found that to be true as I learned to walk with the Lord.
0: And then just to complete your family, your children came along?
1: Yes, yes. We married in 82. Our firstborn was uh, uh Alicia, came into the world in 1984. Our secondborn, Aaron, came in 1986. And that's it. I have one daughter and one son. We've got a lots, of, lots of spiritual kids, <laughs> but only those two natural kids. And I'm so glad that not only did they come to know the Lord for themselves, but both of them work with me in ministry. My wife and I could not be happier about that. Was
0: it a tough decision to leave Philadelphia, to leave the nest, so to speak, leave your father's church and ministry, and go off to California?
1: Well, it, uh, it wasn't, but only because I knew in 1982 when I became my dad's associate pastor, the Lord made it clear to me that I was not going to be his successor. And so I said to him, Pop, I'm, the Lord has shown me I'm not going to stay here and succeed you when you retire. He's going to have me learn to become a pastor by working with you, helping to fulfill the vision he's given you. And at some point, he's going to call me away. I remember telling him, I don't know when and I don't know where, but at some point, the Lord's going to call me away. And sure enough, that happened seven years later. So in 1989, seven years into working with my dad— We picked up, left town. The Lord said, go west, young man, go west. (laughs) You can't go much farther west in the U.S. (laughs) That's right. I answered the call of a small church. They had 34 members when they called me to be their pastor. Mm. And we left town in March of 1989 and just were believing God that he was going to give us a successful uh, time of ministry. And he has proven to do just that.
0: There's more to learn from the life of Pastor Paul Shepard, and we'll get to know him further coming up on First Person.
1: Listening to your station is my first priority when I get home. Sometimes I even listen twice, first on the radio and then
0: through the Internet. Thank you for all your heart work. The Far East Broadcasting Company is dedicated to presenting Christ to the world through radio and new media, and we receive millions of responses every year from grateful listeners. To learn more, visit our website, FirstPersonInterview.com. That's interview.com to learn more about FEBC. My guest is Paul Shepard. Paul is Senior Pastor of Destiny Christian Fellowship and Fremont, California. Full disclosure, Paul has a radio program, and uh, yours truly is the announcer voice on that program. Paul, I've really enjoyed working with you and getting to hear many of the sermons that you preach that end up on the radio.
1: Thanks, Wayne. I'm glad to have you as our announcer. It really is a wonderful partnership. You're a man that's easy to work with, And uh, I just praise God for bringing you into the life of our ministry team.
0: I want to talk more about calling and about preaching. You you mentioned the the very clear call that you had to the ministry, first of all, and then to uh, California to serve your first uh, church as a senior pastor. Talk more about uh, uh, calling and how God calls people and how do we discern that call? Well, I guess
1: different people have experienced it in different ways. For me, I felt the Lord just leading me to share my faith as a teenager. As I did that, I saw that there were results that were following. For instance, they'd ask me to come and to give my testimony and maybe share a message uh, in a youth service. And so I would go and do that, and the young people would respond. Eventually, I was asked to do youth weekends. I'll never forget In the seventies, I was asked to do a youth weekend at a church in Kansas City, and they said, we want you to, to preach, uh, that weekend. I said, I'm not a preacher. (laughs) I said, I'll come, but do not bill me as a preacher. And so the pastor said, okay. Uh, if you'll come, I'll just say you're our youth speaker," he said. "Now you're going to have to speak on Sunday because that's the way we end our youth weekend," <laughs> he said. I, "He said, but I won't call you the preacher." And so I went. And here's what happened: I started Friday evening, did some things with the young people Saturday, and then concluded Sunday. By Sunday after the morning service, all of the young people in that church had given their lives to Jesus. Really? And the pastor was driving me to the airport Sunday afternoon there in Kansas City, and he stopped at a light, I think it was, and shook his finger in my face and said, I don't care what you call yourself. (laughs) God has his hand on you as a preacher, and as soon as you acknowledge that, the better off you'll be. And that was true. You took that to heart then. I I took it to heart. I'll never forget when that pastor died, I went to Kansas City to his funeral to just... To pay my tribute to tell his widow, I thank God for your husband. Because he saw the hand of the Lord on me before I recognized what it was. What
0: a great story! Yes, indeed. Now I'm sure that at this stage of your life, you've probably had the experience of turning that around, and maybe you've spoken into someone else's life of what you feel God's call for them is.
1: I certainly have. Sometimes others see the hand of the Lord on you before you see it, or they recognize the voice of the Lord before you know it. When you think about Eli and and his work in young Samuel's life, Samuel heard the voice, but didn't know who was talking. Mm -hmm. And so he'd run to Eli. That's the voice he's used to. And by the, by the third time, Eli said, wait a minute, the Lord is talking to this boy. And he gave him instruction as to how to respond. And that began Samuel's ministry as a priest and a prophet. I've done that in the lives of others. And, and it is wonderful to help people find their calling.
0: Yeah. Just as we shouldn't resist people speaking into our life, we should be willing to speak into other people's lives. And we're really talking about mentoring, spiritual mentoring here, aren't we?
1: That's right. And really, that's the life of discipleship. All of us who walk with the Lord, we need to have three categories of people in our lives, those who speak into our lives, those who are colleagues, that are peers walking with us as we walk with the Lord, and then there need to be mentees, people that are growing in their faith because of the influence we have in their lives. I'm privileged to have all three in mind.
0: I don't think I've ever talked to anyone on first person about preaching. Can I ask you some questions about it? How do you approach the pulpit? What is your style of preaching? And what is your philosophy, for lack of a better word, for preaching? Well, you know,
1: uh, I'm grateful that I've learned the disciplines of how to exegete the scriptures, how to study and find out what's really there, because exegesis is the work of of, of finding what's there and bringing it out. Eisegesis is what many preachers do, which is to read into the Scriptures kind of what's already on your mind and hope to find support in Scripture. And, of course, you'll find support for many wonderful concepts, but never abandon exegesis, which is finding what's there and helping to apply it. So I do that work, but here's my sort of secret to trying to be fruitful in in the ministry When I prepare messages, I think about the children who will be in my audience. Oh, really? Because my position is, what I've learned is, if the kids can understand me, then their parents will definitely get it. Hmm. And so I preach first and foremost— For the kids, and I find in my audiences children coming up to me saying that meant a lot. Just the other day, I was preaching at a church in Texas, and I had some preteens, three of them, come up to me and say, "Can we take a picture with you because we listen to you every day?" I thought pre -pre (laughs) preteen kids they wanted a
0: selfie. In other words, yeah.
1: And they and they said we listen and we get a lot out of what you say, and that's what I try to do. I think I think McGee is the one who said, "Put the cookies down where the kids can yep, reach them." That's right. And that's what I try to
0: do as I yep. prepare messages. Well, what's the most fulfilling part of being a pastor, a preacher?
1: Well, it's just seeing the life change. In 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 my case, I love seeing the work God does because I'm just the I'm the sower of the seed. But the power is not in the sower. The power is in the seed. And if I'll just be faithful for the way I sow the seed, God will use it to change lives. And I'm seeing people all over the country and around the world who are experiencing real life change because of the Word of God. And I'm glad to be one of the dispensers of that truth.
0: But you're human. Do you get impatient when you don't see that change happening as fast as you'd like it to happen?
1: Oh, my goodness. I get impatient, especially as a pastor and I constantly remind myself of what I just said. I find myself sometimes saying out loud, the so or so the word, so <laughs> or so is the word. And that's because I'm thinking about somebody in my church who is doing the exact opposite of what I counseled them to do and what I preached to them about doing. But it's not my job to make people live a certain way. It's my job to give them the information, lead them to Christ, and
0: hopefully they'll respond to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the Lord saying to you personally these days? What, what passage of scripture are you in? What, what is the Lord teaching you?
1: Well, what I'm learning in this season of my life is the importance of getting people to live in connectedness. I'm finding that we've got to help people understand that the church is intentionally a body of people who live together. So one of the themes in my preaching these days and one of the themes in my heart is helping people learn that we have to do life together. Life in Christ does not come in a do-it-yourself kit. We've got to connect with others. So in my local congregation, I'm urging people, we can't be a church of rows. We can't be a church of pews. We have to become a church of circles. And that is when we get through with our services, Find a circle of people that you're going to process the word with, that you're going to learn with, grow with, pray with, cry with, rejoice with. And if we will get connected as the body of Christ, I think it's really going to serve serve us and serve others for the good.
0: And we need to reach out to other people. And, but I've heard you preach also that we need to be careful about the associations that we have and the types of people that we allow influence our life.
1: We do, because your crowd determines your course, no doubt about that. And so while we have to reach the unchurched and we have to be a friend of sinners, so to speak, because our Savior was called a friend of publicans and sinners, and we need to do that. But the only way to be prepared to do that is to make sure that there are folks who are walking with us in accountability so that we're growing, we are accountable. If something is going astray in our lives, that that can be grabbed and fixed and i think it's important that we stay connected with other
0: believers. Yeah. Leave us with some scripture. What's fresh in your heart?
1: Well, one of the scriptures that i that i take very seriously is that he who began a good work in you that is Philippians 1 and 6 is himself promising to bring it to completion. In other words, that's not just the theme of my broadcast ministry. That came because it is true in my heart and in my life, and I'm more determined than ever to help people understand God started something in you. It wasn't your idea. It was His, and all you got to do is walk with Him. He's going to bring it all the way to completion because there are going to be seasons where you're trying to connect the dots and say, Lord, what in the world are you doing here? It's in
0: His time, not ours, isn't it? Absolutely
1: true. In fact, my latest book, Purpose Prevails, is a book that I wrote to help people understand that even in your darkest days, God is going to finish that work. If you don't believe me, ask Joseph. One moment, here he has he has two great dreams that God's going to make him prominent, and before you know it, he's a prisoner and a slave in a foreign country. How do you get from prominence to being a slave? Well, that wasn't his business, that was God's, because the fact is God set him up through all of those hardships, and God brought him to the place where, sure enough, he was second in command in a country he wasn't even a natural citizen of. That's the God we serve. If we follow him, he'll take us to places we've never imagined.
0: That's Pastor Paul Shepard, today's guest on First Person. It's amazing to hear how God leads people in so many ways, and Paul has a great story to tell. If you'd like to learn more about his ministry, including the radio program we do, go to firstpersoninterview.com, and you'll see links there at the website, firstpersoninterview.com. I'd like to thank the Far East Broadcasting Company for their support of First Person, allowing us to find and bring you these stories each week. FEBC's extensive broadcast ministry has seen remarkable results in terms of people of many cultures turning to Christ and learning His Word. Your support of FEBC is vital, and you can learn more and what you can do to help by clicking on the banner you'll find at FirstPersonInterview.com. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us next time for First Person.